0: going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. The writer writes these words, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus Our Father, we bow before you as the God of heaven and earth, the God that commands our worship, and the God that we're glad to worship. And Father, we pray that our worship of you today would be pleasing in your sight. And one aspect of our worship is the word of God and hearing the word of God and the teaching and preaching of the word of God. And Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God would guide our digging into your word today, and that you would open our eyes and help us to see. Help Jesus to increase and us to decrease. And may he be lifted up and glorified, and may he draw men to himself. Thank you for each soul that is represented here today. I pray that the blessing of salvation would rest upon each one. May your spirit help us and guide us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be camping in Hebrews chapter 11. This chapter is familiar to many of you as Christians, it is called the Faith Chapter, it is called the Heroes of the Faith. And today we're going to be talking about faith. And our goal today is to encourage you in the realm of faith so that when we leave this room, you are in awe of God and more deeply in love with our Lord Jesus Christ. The title of the sermon is Faith Commended by God. And as we'll see as we go through Hebrews 11, we're going to see that the folks that are listed there have been commended by God. I debated as to whether or not to call this trailblazers commended by God because when we look at those folks in Hebrews 11, they are lighting a path. They are pathfinders and they are blazing a path to teach us how it is that we should live our life upon the earth by faith. Each one of us should want to be trailblazers. Each one of us should know and understand that there are many that would follow us. Some of you parents, you have little eyes that look at you and look to you. So we want to be those that guide. I also want to take this opportunity to speak to our young people. Your decision about faith is the most important decision that you will make in all of life. It is more important than your education. It's more important than who you will marry. It's more important than your career. It's more important than your financial goals. And why is it more important? It's more important because the Lord Jesus Christ said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man gain in return for his soul? In Hebrews 11:2, 2, the scripture says, for by it, and the for by it is faith. The people of old received their commendation. And that word commendation means to be a witness, to bear witness, to utter honorable testimony, to give a good report. And in the case of Hebrews 11, it is God giving the commendation. In Hebrews 11:4, the scripture says, by faith. Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So as we walk through Hebrews 11, we need to ask ourselves this question, what will be God's testimony about my life in the realm of faith? And I think we all want to be commended by God, right? So what's our landscape for today? Well, I want you to have the mindset of traveling. You have been told about the most beautiful country you could imagine. You have no earthly eyewitnesses that have been there that can confirm the beauty of the place. You simply have a promise that it exists and a brochure that describes it. You also have instructions on how to secure the title deed. Today we're, is about how we prepare to get to our permanent home. and We're going to look at these Old Testament saints, these trailblazers, and learn the biblical reasons that they receive commendation from God. Now, let me begin by giving you some background on the book of Hebrews. This will help us better understand the whole doctrine of faith. The book of Hebrews was written to who? Hebrews. Hebrews. (laughs) Amen. And there were three categories of Hebrews. Those that truly had believed. Then there was a category of those that had intellectually believed, but they never really surrendered themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were the ones that the Bible describes as ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then there was a third category of those that were not convinced that Jesus was in any way the Messiah. And the whole purpose of this book is to convince the Hebrews that Jesus is superior. In Hebrews 11, 1-4, we see that Christ is superior to angels. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much superior to angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus is superior to Moses. Hebrews, 4, Hebrews 3, 3 to 6, I had an error on my manuscript. and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. The writer was also seeking to convince them that Jesus was superior to their high priest. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. Every high priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered all For all times, a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So he was seeking to show them the superiority of Christ. He goes on to say that Jesus offers a better covenant. Hebrews 8, 6. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. Since he enacted it on better promises. And he goes on to tell them what those better promises were. He says, I will put my law into their minds, write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So this is a high level overview of the purpose of the book of Hebrews. The other thing that you need to understand that these Hebrew Christians were being persecuted. They were being persecuted to the degree that they were ready to go back into Judaism. John MacArthur had this to say about that persecution. He said they had received Jesus Christ as their personal savior. They had become followers of Jesus Christ. And naturally, the result of that was a tremendous hostility from their own people. Ostracized from their family, persecuted and suffering, though they never died, Hebrews points out that they still suffered greatly. Hebrews 10, 32 and 34 gives us a description of that suffering. The writer puts, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Could you imagine that? Taking your property, taking your home, taking your car, taking whatever belongs to you. That's what they were experiencing. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. And just before we get to chapter 11, the writer exhorts them to live by faith. Hebrews 10.36, he said, For you have need of endurance. So, the writer is seeking to correct their thinking. He is seeking to encourage them, and he is seeking to fortify their souls because they were in desperate need. They were weary. They were tempted to revert back to Judaism and leave Christ. Now, have you ever been weary? Have you ever been tired? Well, Hebrews 11 addresses that weariness. And after this exhortation, he gives them a list of Old Testament saints that live by faith. Now, we don't have time to go through all of Hebrews 11. And I'd like to dig into each one of their lives, but that's not our purpose today. We will briefly look at them, but we can't dig into their lives and their situations. So we are ready to dig into our text. What's our outline for today? Number one, the just will die in faith. The just will understand that the promises of God will be a future reality. The just will seek and desire a better country. And the just will receive commendation from God. So two words that are important as we look at Hebrews 11. Those two words are by faith. And you're going to see it throughout that chapter by faith, by faith, by faith. And we'll take a look at a few of the examples that God puts before us about those that live by faith. So if we are traveling and we're going to take the scenic route, the vehicle that we're using is faith. And the examples of men and women that live by faith begin with Abel. In Hebrews eleven four, 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. They knew what the requirements were. Abel offered it in faith. Cain did not. Hebrews eleven five, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him up. Enoch so walked with God that God took him up. By faith, he walked with God. By faith, he lived with God. Hebrews eleven seven 7, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Noah being out in the desert, God comes to him and says, Noah, it's going to rain. I want you to build an ark. And what did Noah do? He listened to God. By faith, he constructed an ark. In Hebrews eleven eight, 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And this was a big deal for Abraham. He was in the city of Ur of the Chaldeans, which is on the Euphrates River, it is now what we call Iraq. Some archaeologists had revealed that during this period, men were sophisticated and educated. Excavations going back to the days of Abraham revealed cobblestone streets, academic buildings, and three-story houses with tiled floors. In fact, one discovery dating back to the time of Abraham, they found a clay tablet, and on the tablet, whoever had been using it was the word working out of a problem in trigonometry. Historians believe that Abraham's father was a high priest in this false religion and that their family was a most prominent family in the city. So for Abraham to pack up and leave heir of the Chaldeans and live in tents was a big deal. But he did it. By faith, he wanted to live. In the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. By faith. Hebrews eleven eleven, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Sarah laughed at God. But at some point, she believed that God was gonna bless her and give her a child. I was teasing my wife. I said, Don't get any ideas. If God comes to you that way, don't, don't ignore that. <laughs> Hebrews 11 describes what faith caused. You see, faith will have an impact on your life. Faith will cause you to take action and move forward towards God. Now, there's a couple observations that I think we need to highlight as we dig into faith. Number one, in order to live by faith, you have to be in the faith. Number two, the people described in Hebrews 11 and throughout the Bible are ordinary people just like you and me. People who face weakness, difficult circumstances, persecution, tribulation, but yet God chose them. And I'm reminded of what Paul said, not many powerful, not many noble, but God chose the foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. The second thing, that, or the next thing that we need to observe is that God expects you and I, as children of God, to live by faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And finally, the observation is faith is a gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. What is faith? God has a lot to say about faith, and we need to understand what Hebrews 11 is teaching us about faith. Before we actually dig in, I told you I was taking the scenic route. Okay? So be patient. A few things, and I think I got this from Truth for Life. Alistair begged. What faith is not? Faith is not a religious feeling, it's not a feeling. There are many that have the misconception that faith is simply a strong feeling inside of them. And you will hear people deny some of the major doctrines of the Bible and yet claim to have faith. The scripture knows nothing of that type of faith. Faith, as we will see later, is based upon truth. And I would remind you that our feelings can lead us astray. Eve's feelings led her astray. And Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand us? Our feelings can get us into trouble. Feelings is not faith. Faith is not accepting something without evidence. Many accuse Christians of having blind belief and that we don't use our brains. But we must remember that the Bible produces convincing evidence. And we are urged to use our minds. The Apostle Paul writing to the first first Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15. He says, what am I to do? He says, I will pray with my spirit. But I will pray with my mind also. You see, there are no mindless prayers. He goes on to say, I will sing praise with my spirit. But I will sing praise with my, but I will sing with my mind also. No mindless singing. When we stand up to sing the hymns and the songs of faith, our minds are to be engaged. Faith is not the power of positive thinking. Many false prophets out there that teach that faith is simply the power of positive thinking. One writer, Norman Vincent Peale, says this and gives this advice, that everyone should start their day First thing every morning before you arise, say out loud, I believe three times. Now, I'm for positive thinking, but positive thinking is not faith. And finally, faith is not having faith in our faith. There are some that teach you just have to have more faith, and they want you to look within yourself to produce that faith. We had a friend a few years ago that was dying of cancer and briefly got caught in this false teaching. They were told that the reason they were not healed is because they don't have enough faith. You see, faith in our faith is a false teaching that only leads to despair. Now, the first point is, These died in faith. And in order to die in faith, we have to be in the faith. And our goal as children of God is to get to the finish line and hear God say he died in faith. Well done, good and faithful servant. So let's dig into the classic passage found in Hebrews 11, and that's 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We need to understand what this means. Now, the word assurance, some of your translations might have the word substance. Some of your translations might have the word confidence. The word literally means A standing under, support. It has the idea of the ground upon which one builds his hope. Malden and Milligan, who wrote the vocabulary of Greek New Testament, says this about the word. It says it is a legal term. They say that it stands for the whole body of documents bearing on the ownership of a person's property deposited in archives and fording the evidence of ownership. They suggest the translation could be this. Faith is the title deed of things hoped for. Now what document do we build our hope upon? We build our hope upon this document, the word of God. The archives are here. And this is where we turn. This is what we look to. And if we want the title deed, we need to have our Bibles. It is a confidence. It is a firm trust. It is a steadiness of mind. And that steadiness of mind is in the Bible. Another title for the Bible is what? The Word of God. These Old Testament believers, they did not have the 66 books that we have. But when God came to them, what did they do? They listened. When God spoke to them, they listened and they believed. So one important element about faith is believing God. And we need to understand that God initiated this whole concept of faith. The psalmist said in Psalm 98 too, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. What a marvelous thing that God wants us to know him. And the Bible makes it clear that God can be known and wants to be known. Jeremiah, writing as he grieved for the nation of Israel because they had sought their own way, sought their own wisdom, he writes in Jeremiah 9.24, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. You see, God has communicated this in his word. And out of his great love for man, he has also put flesh and blood to his desire to be known. The writer of Hebrews begins the book of Hebrews with these words. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power." After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And the Bible tells us that the word was made flesh and dwell among us. And we have seen his glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So when we talk about faith, we must talk about the object of our faith. And the object of our faith is the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. who the Apostle Paul, before he was shipped off to Rome to face death, he said this, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's no other name, given among men, whereby we must be saved. So faith is believing the word of God. Faith is believing God. Faith is a commitment to Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. Faith is based upon truth. This book is truth. Richard Phillips said this, Faith is believing God's word in order to lay hold of the things that are promised and make them real in our lives. Faith is the mode or the manner by which we possess heavenly things on earth. You see, the Bible is not some ancient book that has no bearing on your life. It is not a fable. It is not a collection of nice stories that make us feel good. It is the word of God. It is truth. And this truth has been gifted to us by God who cannot lie. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is what will you do with this truth? What will you do with this truth? Will you be like Esau? Who did not value his birthright. He became profane and gave it away for a piece of bread and some stew. And I'm afraid some in this room will give away your soul. For the pleasure of this world. You see the word of God. Is precious. The word of God. Is to be valued. The word of God. Is the object. To which we. Must get. Faith. And you see God has guaranteed something to those that truly believe him and believe his word. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, Paul writes these words, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We don't have it yet, but God's put a down payment to say, you will have it. Make sure that we understood it. We also find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The assurance of things hoped for. Let's talk a little bit about hope now. Hope is to expect, to confine, to trust. Unger defines it as a joyful and contented expectation of eternal life. Biblical hope is different than how we view the word in our culture, in our world. And I'll borrow from R.C. Sproul. He said, when you use the word hope, we usually are referring to an emotional state of desire in our hearts regarding what we would like to happen in the future, but are not sure it will come to pass. Last night, I watched the Orioles and I was hoping they would win. They lost. I hope the Ravens go to the Super Bowl, but there's no guarantee that that will happen. But when we talk about biblical hope, it is not referring to a desire for a future outcome that is uncertain, but rather a desire for a future outcome that is absolutely sure. So when we hear the words of assured assurance of things hoped for, it is significant, it is weighty. It can be trusted. It can be believed. It is valuable. It is extremely valuable because it is something that is guaranteed. He goes on to say, it is the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. And that word evidence or conviction or assurance is a word that means proof, that which a thing is proved or tested. And when it comes to faith, this is not a blind leap into the dark, but we believe concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, what we believe concerning the Lord Jesus Christ is based upon the testimony of many witnesses. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1.16, he's writing, he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 5 to 7, he says this, and that he appeared, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, As to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Witnesses that saw the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, we have evidence. So, faith, those that know God, the righteous, we will die in faith. So no matter what the circumstances and situations are that we live here upon the earth, we need to lay hold of the truth and the promises of God, even as those Old Testament saints did. You could be going through all kinds of things, health issues, financial issues, relationship issues, but you hold on and you live by faith. Point number two, the just will understand that the promises of God will be a future reality. You see, God uses many metaphors in the Bible to describe his people, and in verse 13, there are two metaphors that describe the Old Testament believers. They are called strangers and exiles, and the word for a stranger simply means a foreigner. And the word for exile means to sojourn in a strange place away from one's people. These believers acknowledge and confess they agreed with God that this is not their home. Do we have that mindset? This is not our home. This is not our pep- permanent residence. We have a future home. And Let me ask you. Do you welcome the promises of God? And we welcome them, but we have to do it from a distance. And God will help us to see. God will help us to understand. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul writes, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, God will give us the ability to see and understand our future hope, our future promises. This means that the patriarchs did not receive the full ah, fulfillment of God's promises in this life. They only got to taste them. When Abraham died, he had two heirs. But what did God promise him? He promised him he'd be a great nation, that he would multiply his descendants as the stars in the sky and as in the sand in the sea. Did Abraham live to see that? No. He had to see it from a distance. Now, do we experience the promises of God in their total fulfillment? No. We've been forgiven of our sin. But do we still struggle with sin? Yeah, there's a day coming when we won't. We've been promised a new body. But do we struggle in these old bodies with aches and pains? Yeah, we do. You see, the promises of heaven are a future fulfillment. But we should receive them joyfully. That is to be our disposition of mind. The Jess will seek and desire a better country. Hebrews eleven fourteen. 14, for people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. This verse is telling us the impact faith will have on these believers as they live life upon the earth. The word for seek is defined as seek diligently, to wish for, to crave, to search for intensely, to yearn for. Is this my disposition of mine? Is this your disposition of mine? Another important word is desire. The word picture Pictures constant stretching out, reaching for the country. It is to coven, it is to long after. And we asked ourselves the question, do I give any thought to my future home? Do I long after it? In my studies, I learned that Jonathan Edwards would devote time every day think about heaven? Or are we too immersed in this world that we don't have time to meditate on heaven? Sad to say, I think many of us don't make the time to think about heaven. And we should heed the exhortation Of Colossians 3 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. That's a command. We are to set our affections on things above. And finally, the jest will be commended by God. Hebrews 11:16, "But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city." What a blessed thought that God is not ashamed. The God of grace. The God of holiness, the God of power, the God of sovereignty. He wasn't ashamed of Abraham or Enoch or Abraham or Sarah. And he won't be ashamed of us if we walk by faith. Paul says he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. They believed God, that is faith. What's your desire? I want to hear God say, he's not ashamed to be called my God. You see, our seeking after the heavenly city means that we put more value in God in any earthly possession what is faith it is believing God very simple definition but very profound believing God at his holy word unabandoned trust in Jesus Christ no holding back Giving all to Jesus. That's faith. That's saving faith. I want to close by quoting John Piper talking about our future promise. What a city it is. No pollution, no graffiti, no trash, no peeling paint or rotting garbage, no dead grass or broken bottles, no harsh street talk, no in-your-face confrontation, no domestic strife or violence, no dangers in the night, no arson or lying or stealing or killing, no vandalism, and no ugliness. The city of God will be perfect because God will be in it. He will walk in it and talk in it and manifest Himself in every part of it. All that is good and beautiful and holy and peaceful and true and happy will be there because God will be there. Perfect justice will be there and recompense a thousandfold for every pain suffered in obedience to Christ. And it will never deteriorate. In fact, it will shine brighter and brighter as eternity stretches out into unending ages of increasing joy. That's our promise. And the vehicle to get there is faith. Faith in God and his promises. He has given us the title deed. Young people, open your Bibles. Read your Bible Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Listen to your parents. The Bible is true. And this life is no game. The devil plays for keeps. Submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thy word is truth. That's what Jesus said. Lord, we pray that you would help us to put all of our trust in what you've communicated in your word. And I pray for every soul that is here today. I pray that you would help them and help us to value the word of God so that we can be men and women that live by faith. Help us to be the trailblazers that others can follow by faith, by faith, by faith. Guide us, open our eyes, give us understanding. And I pray for any that would be here today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today would be the day of faith, and we pray this in Jesus' name.